0: Hi there. Welcome to another episode of Unwell with Erica. If you're tuning into this episode the week it premieres, then you are probably feeling the collective burden of the upcoming election because I know I am. <sighs> Just take a deep breath. I hope at this point you've already turned in your ballot, if possible, or you have a plan to vote. Uh, I hate to make this political. But how can you not if you have any sort of platform right now? So I hope you have a voting plan. I hope maybe you've already done it. I live in Oregon where I'm very fortunate to have uh, mail-in as of my primary option. So my ballot was dropped off a couple of days ago. So that's what I'll say there is that I hope you have a plan and you've already done it if possible. Back to the the weight that you're probably feeling right now. So this is actually a really good episode for you to listen to, even though I recorded this interview a couple of weeks ago, the timing is really appropriate for what's going on right now. So if you tune in toward the end of the episode, I am going to cover some mindful breathing with Margot Kellison-Lightburn, who is a yoga instructor who I've known for a couple of years now. She's here in the Portland area as well, but she teaches online classes, and we'll talk more about where you can find those. Um... She teaches online classes where you can participate from anywhere in the world. And her classes are really, really amazing. And they are – the thing I like so much about them is that they are atypical of yoga classes in some ways. To me, Margot is just the perfect balance of the sort of hippie wellness stuff that I love to dip my toe in every now and then but don't want to fully submerge myself in. And also just being a real person who is not – uh, the Instagramified version of a yoga instructor, which is what I really, really love about her. and I think that's something that you will definitely appreciate from this interview as well. So like I said, at the end of the episode, we're going to be doing some some mindfulness breathing. Um, but one of the other topics that we are going to cover is the concept of embodiment. And having been quarantined, probably, if you're listening to this, you've been at home a lot more often. Than previously. And if you're like me, you have changed your fitness routine and eating routine, which may have had an impact on the way your body looks. That's not what embodiment is, but it can certainly have an effect on how you feel about yourself. So we talk about the concept of being embodied where you are present in your physical being. And the opposite of that which is when you are viewing yourself externally, which if you're anything like me results in a lot of self-criticism. So for Margot, she talks about when she feels embodied versus when she is, (laughs) I think she uses a term, something like uh, a self-critical being a bitch to yourself, basically. And uh, one thing that's, I know for me, one thing that's happened is the more time I have on my hands, the more time I have to be self-critical. And that's not just the way I look, um, but the way I am. I have so much more time to be reflective, but I find myself not using it in a productive manner. So I guess you could say I am not embodied. (laughs) And if you're listening to this, maybe you're not either. So I'm very excited to cover that topic And some just general uh, yoga topics with Margot as well. If you've dabbled in yoga or you've been afraid to get more involved into yoga, I think you'll find she has a lot of interesting things to say from many, many years of working in the industry that I just find so fascinating. And we also dabble in discussing, and I didn't even plan this, we dabble in discussing one of my favorite shows that I have watched in a while, Ted Lasso. If you've talked to me you have heard me preach the gospel of ted lasso if you have an apple tv plus subscription watch it if you don't get one and watch it with everything going on right now it is the bright spot of distraction that you probably need to get you through your day it is a demonstration of the best of us as humans which is not something that you often find in TV shows. And I was so thrilled <laughs> that Margot brought it up because I was like, oh my God, I've been waiting to talk about this. So check it out. And thank you again for tuning in to Unwell with Erica. I really think you're going to love this interview with Margot Kellison-Lightburn. Thank you for listening. Thanks for joining me today. I have Margot Kellison-Lightburn. She is a yoga instructor. She's an instructor to instructors. And her online videos have been one of the brightest spots of the last couple of months of my life. Uh, we met, gosh, probably a couple of years ago now, and have been close Instagram friends ever since. Um, so, welcome to Unwell with Erica, Margot.
1: Thank you, Erica. I know our meeting is such a funny, like, I don't know, it's not millennial story, but it is like it is.
0: it's a it's a social media story. <laughs> Yeah. It's a social media success story. I think it is. It's proof that you can, yeah, you can make friends from the internet and the strength of a common interest or in our case, a common influencer interest. Yeah. Really goes a long way.
1: Yeah. Um, what's her name? Shanae.
0: Shanae Alexander. Shanae
1: Alexander. Yeah. Um, she was doing a, um, just like a pop-up meetup when she was here in Portland. She sent it out last minute. She was coming back from the coast and was like, I'm going to be at this bar tonight if anybody wants to come and meet me. And I was like, first of all, what a genius way to just connect with people. I mean, granted, she's got hundreds of thousands of followers or something. She's got a wildly huge successful account. Um, But she's also just a really cool down to earth person. And so when I saw it, I was like, I want to go to that? That sounds right. fun. There's
0: a lot of people I follow on Instagram that if they did that, I would not go to it. Right. Like it would seem like I had nothing in common with this person. And like I don't want to grab a drink with them, but she's actually someone that I was like, yeah, I, I want to meet this person in real life. And I felt very comfortable sitting next to her at a bar with yeah. like a bunch of other. And it was cool because it was. I mean, I think it was all women that were there.
1: Yeah, it was. It was all
0: women. Yeah. And it was a nice like variety of types of people. It was like young and old and everything in between and different job types and parents. And it was really yeah. cool. I mean, we had a lot of things in common just by following her. It seems like you, I mean, we're just similar value set, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Interest set in that way. So yeah, I left that. I left that meeting with two friends and that's how often does that happen? So
1: I know almost never. And it was really funny because we started following each other, obviously. And then you just started posting amazing pictures of food. (laughs) And I was like, Oh man, I need to hang out
0: with this woman. Yeah. Back in the good old days when I could like dine out and share French fries with people. And the things I used to complain about sharing small plates, what I wouldn't give to share a small plate with someone right now is... (laughs) Brings a tear to my eye just thinking about it.
2: Yeah. That's taking taking so a true. sip of
0: taking a sip of someone else's cocktail. Oh my gosh. Uh, how great would that be right now? I can't <laughs> imagine. But He's yeah. So good. yeah. So we, yeah. So actually prior to you doing Zoom yoga classes, I did not have much of a yoga background at all. I'd taken some classes at my like Gold's gym that I went to when I lived in Oklahoma City. Uh, they were, I mean, just pretty basic yoga classes. And, uh, yeah. I later found out my instructor there, She's a Trump supporter. So that's like a challenge for me. To, <laughs> she's like <laughs> the woman that introduced me to yoga. And then like we're Facebook friends. And then I saw that recently and I was just like, Oh, okay. This is a thing that I'm going to have to come to Is that with so us.
1: confusing? When it's so strange. You're it's yeah, so strange. I'm experiencing that all over the place right now in the yoga community and industry, because, It's like you think that because you have this one thing in common, that you must align on these other topics, and you just don't. And like in the yoga community and wellness space, white privilege is a huge issue. And um, and you know, well, there's just so many issues. Even it's confusing to me right now. Just to be you know very current. There are a lot of people in the yoga community who are even like the QAnon supporters and they're like oh my anti-vaxxers. Gosh, really? <laughs> yes.
0: Oh, that's actually, okay. That's not super surprising. I guess when You, get, you said anti-vaxxers. Anti-vax. That's, not, that's not super surprising, I guess. Yeah. It's see all how There this... could be an overlap there.
1: And so there's this, it's been very confusing for me. And in the beginning of COVID, it was super confusing. And now I feel like I understand it a little bit better, but there's this, um, you know, anti-government, uh, and this is not a political po- political podcast, I know, but I do feel like it's relevant right yeah. now. Um, but there's this anti-government, don't, you can't control me mentality in the wellness space mm-hmm. around um, sustainability, wanting to be off grid, like Tiny home, anti vaxxer, and yeah. I'm not lumping all those people together. I really want to be clear. I'm not saying, like, if you have a tiny home, you're probably an anti vaxxer. Not saying that at all. Right.
0: But there's a Venn, but Venn diagram of the two. Yes. There's, exactly. there's an overlap. There's a, yeah. There's, there's people on both Venn- sides, but there's a Venn diagram with some. With so overlap. then you go
1: to like Bend, Oregon, where right. my sister lives, and you've got like anti-mask people, and you're like, So are you a yoga person or are you a Trump supporter? Because yeah. I just need to know if my family's safe with you or not. Yeah.
0: That's <laughs> a whole thing. And especially living in Oregon, that's a whole thing up here is that there is this like off the grid community that yeah. I I don't know. I mean, being from Oklahoma, like I mean, we have our own brand of weirdness there, but that just wasn't something I was familiar with. But last time Jamie and I went camping. We stayed at um, like a little, it's called from a site called Hip Camp. That's like a private campsite. And we booked basically a campsite on this guy's property. Like he didn't live there, but he just had this beautiful plot of land. And so he rented it out by the night to go set up your tent and camp there. And whenever we arrived, the host was there and he was like, yeah, there's some trails in the area, but you can go see some of the people that live off the grid in the area. So there's a lot of like houses and you can see how people have set up their own little like private you know electrical grids and things like that and i was like yeah i don't think we're probably won't hike i think we'll just <laughs> stay here like as soon as he left jamie was like that'll get you shot i'm not trying i'm not gonna go wandering right on <laughs> someone's lane like no thank you and he was like yeah they've got all these like gate security gates set up and they have all kinds of weird cars and it was just all these things i'm like oh interesting okay yeah we're just gonna Probably read yeah, a book. Yeah,
1: we're gonna sit by the fire yeah. and drink
0: wine. That's
1: what exactly. we're exactly.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm here to like eat, eat a s'more and drink wine from a can <laughs> and read a book. I will yeah. not be doing the off the grid tour Amen. of Southwest Washington. That was not Amen on my to list.
1: That. <laughs>
0: so yeah. Um so I guess getting back to <laughs> getting back to yoga. Um right. I'm, so, I'm so happy we we took that that trail there. Um we <laughs> one of the uh, what I was saying earlier about not having much of a background in yoga. Yeah. Your, I was surprised how quickly I was able to like, get right into the classes you were taking, even though, I mean, like I'm pretty athletic, but Mm -hmm. I just have not done a ton of, of yoga. And so your online classes were like, definitely one of the things that postponed my like inevitable quarantine, like mental meltdown. (laughs) And for quite some time, and uh, I went off the deep end later, and then I started a podcast to try to alleviate some of my madness. But thank Give yourself you. Something thank to you. For, yes. Thank you for putting those together. And um, it's probably. I mean, I, gosh, I can't imagine like you're kind of an extrovert kindred spirit like me. So yeah, how definitely. hard was it for you to switch from being able to have these like in-person connections with people to moving everything online? How was that transition for you?
1: Well, so I've been teaching online for a while. Um, I had part of my like yoga journey slash story is that when I moved to Portland for the second time, which was in 2015 with my family, um, and I, so I I lived in, I I grew up in LA, long, like long story short, I grew up in LA. uh, We moved to White Bear Lake, Minnesota when I was 15 years old. And then I moved to Chicago later, like around 19 um, to go to college. And so I moved to Portland the first time with a boyfriend (laughs) um, when I was 29. So yeah, 29. And then um, I felt like I had sort of outgrown Portland at that time. I moved back down to L.A., did not want to live in L.A. again um, (laughs) after being there for a little while, and I moved back to Chicago. And then I met Brian, my husband, and after being with Brian for, I think, seven years we were in Chicago together, I pretty much convinced him to move to Portland again because I had always kind of wanted to come back here. I felt like it was a great place to raise family and the whole Mm -hmm. thing. But I'd been in Portland in Chicago for seven years or so, and I had built up my yoga community there. And you know that's usually a mixed bag of public classes and studios, maybe a couple classes at a gym because you're trying to always patchwork together a yeah. set of gigs. like an artist kind of has gigs. Um, and so and then I had private clients. And so when I moved to Portland in 2015, my private clients were really sad and devastated that I was moving, but they were happy for me, of course. And so I said, Hey, what if we tried FaceTime yoga? And, um, you know, cause they're like crying that I'm leaving. I've been in these people's lives, you know, yeah. at least once a week, if not twice a week for the past six years, you know, like babies, divorces, cancer, mm-hmm. um, all of these things that you go through with your clients. So I, I, I had already been really conditioned to teaching online. So when COVID hit, my husband was like, you should teach an online class like right away. And I was like, yeah, that's a good idea. Um, so I threw up a free class right away. Mm-hmm. I did not expect that free class to be 75 people. <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> so it was like, whew, people immediately just jumped right in. And, and there, was so- such a, there was such
0: a need for it. Like, yeah. I mean, I think yeah, you were one people- of the first people to do it. Yeah, definitely in the area. Like, I mean, a couple of other fitness studios I go to pivoted to online stuff too. But I know you were one of the first that I saw.
1: Yeah, exactly. And because I had that previous history with the clients when I moved from Chicago, I was just like set up ready to go. I had already been doing Zooms, so I I was able to transition really quickly. What's different about it being an extrovert is um, you don't get the same feedback from people, like because you you know, I like to have sort of a dynamic class mm-hmm. and the most dynamic response I get from people is like thumbs up, you know, yeah. cause I, and I'm a check-in type of teacher. I will ask, um, almost annoyingly, like, how's everybody, how are you guys doing? How you feel out there? Because I w- I'm taking their temperature all the time as we're practicing, which is a bad metaphor to use, um, <laughs> during the time of COVID right? because I could literally <laughs> be taking their temperature walking around the room. Yeah. Um, but I am, I'm always trying to, you know, for me, yoga is a reciprocal experience and, um, and I'm vibing off of their energy. And then that tells me how to tack and turn and and go where I need to go as a teacher. So, um, that is a little harder to navigate, but, Mm -hmm. um, without sounding like a total weirdo yogi, I'm, I'm also a really intuitive person. Yeah. And so even through the screen, like I feel like I can feel people's energy and I'm not saying you have to be like a psychic medium in order to teach online successfully, but what I would say, um, and this is more for like yoga teacher type people, but, Mm -hmm. and I do a lot of coaching of teachers. So this is the track I get on sometimes, but What I would say is that um, you don't have to be like a psychic medium, but you have to be paying attention. And and that's the difference between teaching a Zoom class and um, teaching a FaceTime where you're you're actually live with somebody versus like downloading something, you know? So you lose somebody's attention when you're downloading or streaming something. The person's just, they'll just answer their phone and turn you off. Mm -hmm. And it'd be like if you and I right now, if you were just like, Peace out, Margot. We're doing a podcast. I'm gonna go now. <laughs> like yeah. this is how. If I were teaching you yoga right now, the accountability right. level is just totally different when when you're on an active live class.
2: Mm-hmm. You
1: know. So, so to answer your question in a really long roundabout way, I felt like I was really prepared for this shift. Yeah. Um, but I'm still learning every single day as I go. You know.
0: Yeah. I I like what you said about the kind of the feedback and it being like a two-way street between teacher and and participant, I guess. Because it's actually, yeah. I mean, totally unrelated to yoga, that's been like one of the hardest things for me switching to having like work meetings on Zoom is mm-hmm. that there's no, you don't capture like joyous moments as well. Yeah. Because if you have 12 people in a meeting, we're all on mute. And right. so when someone talks about something exciting happening for them. Like you might get like a muted clap and it's like, yeah. oh my gosh, a muted clap. Like it's <laughs> like the most joyless thing I can possibly imagine is right. like someone seeing the visual of that with no sound and like no audible encouragement. I'm like, here you die want to a do it right inside. now. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. It just makes me want to die a little inside. That's just like, oh my gosh, this is such a, yeah. It's just hard to capture this like highs as well. I know. I um, but I mean, I think you do a really good job. Like the, I, I was surprised one of the first classes I took with you and I wish I could remember what song it was. It was some moving song that you played. I remember just like being yeah. at the end of the class and just like, I was just like full on like tear streaming down my face. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that, I mean, you did kind of capture the like connectedness you would get in a class and I didn't know anyone yeah. on the call. I mean, I didn't know anyone that was in the class with me, but still yeah. was able to get that kind of like emotional it's
1: funny life. because um, I had several messages early on in COVID where um, people were coming on and doing a Zoom for the very first time, like a, a practice in that way for the very first time. Yeah. And so I got l- tons of DMs from people that were saying things um, like, like, I can't believe how real it feels, I can't believe. And then there were also messages, um, a, a few that were like, I felt really safe for the first time right. in my practice and I could really let go one, one person who is an essential worker or a doctor and wrote and said, I, I have been bawling my eyes out in your classes because I need to right now. And I mm-hmm. need the release and I don't feel like I have to keep it buttoned up. Cause I'm, I'm in my own house. I'm in the privacy of my own home.
0: That's and true. if I want
1: to click out and cry through it, I can. And yeah. so we had this dialogue back and forth and I was like, girl, cry it out. you know, yeah. like like turn your camera off. And there's, there's these things about practicing this way, that's giving so much permission and freedom
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: in, in versus where in a studio environment, and, and there's so many obvious benefits of community and energy and vibing off of somebody. But there's also all these detrimental things. Like, let's say you're vibing off of somebody who's just like super arrogant, and egotistical about their practice. And, you know, and then you get into this negative chatter of like, Do they have to handstand through every single (laughs) posture or, um, you know, the heavy breather in class, somebody that you're next to that's like, like.
0: yeah, I mean, I can think of that one of the first like in-person yoga classes I went to, I was like, I didn't know anyone there. I'm signed up on, it was like a free, it must've been like a free class or like a cheap class at a studio. And I was like, oh, I'll try this out. And I went and I was like next to a guy that was in like the tiniest shorts shirtless and like dripping sweat everywhere. Yeah. And and I think it, it may have been a heated yoga class. but right. And he was so good. And I was like yeah. clearly, like I think I had to be in toward the front and I was new to this. That would not have been my chosen spot to be in. Right. I'm next to this guy who's just sweating everywhere in his right. tiny little shorts. And right. I'm like, you know, in leggings and whatever and, and struggling right. through all of it. And so there is like a nice... It, it takes away some of the like comparison factor. I know I've tried stuff uh like yeah. I, I'm not super comfortable doing crow. But yeah, That's been something, yeah. the crow pose is something I've uh, worked on and I would much rather fall on my face in my own home. home. Yeah. I would just, I would just wouldn't have done it in a class in person. Like yeah. I just wouldn't have attempted it because I wouldn't want to literally bust my chin. Like I did on my floor in my room, yeah. which is fine, but I wouldn't want to do that. in person. Right.
1: Well, and, um, you know, if I'm like with my yoga hat on, that's not just, um, like when I'm thinking about like traditional yoga teaching and some of the, the, some of the things that we teach about non-attachment, um, you know, part of the practice is being next to the hot, sweaty guy that makes you Mm -hmm. uncomfortable and being able to practice this idea of it's called dhyana where you're, um, you pull your focus or Pratyahara, where you pull your focus inward versus being distracted by the out, yeah. out outer distractions you know mm-hmm. it's like like i remember i was teaching a private one time to somebody and i was mortified because where i was teaching um there was somebody doing uh yard work and there was a leaf blower and um so here i am trying to lead like this ending of class beautiful shavasana and there's this ring like mm-hmm. outside the, the st- the space that we were in, was like this lofted space. And the person who I was teaching um, was in recovery. And so always had like, just the, just like the perfect thing to say. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, I'm really sorry about the leaf bower. You know, somebody came and paid me to teach a private class. And here I am teaching this private class. And during their private class, there's just this leaf blower. And I was like, I'm so sorry. And he said, you know, Margo, he's like, there's always going to be a leaf blower. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, yes, you're right. Mm -hmm. I was like, there's always going to be something that's trying to pull us out and distract us. And so it's nice to be able to cultivate the practice in a way that like, okay, if I end up next to the moaner in class when they Mm -hmm. breathe, because there's like moaning breathers that are like,
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Breathe. That's going to sound real weird on your podcast. I'm hoping (laughs) people are laughing. Um, You know, and then there's also this easier way to try to cultivate um, comfort and Mm -hmm. safety and security being in our home. You know, so I think there's room for both, and we can we can we can continue to explore both.
0: Mm -hmm. That's. I mean, what you just mentioned is. Something that I've always struggled with with yoga is that I feel like I can go through the physical movements of it and get the 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 joint slash muscle uh imp- you know improvements and i feel I feel really yeah. good physically after I do yoga, but the mental piece is the part that like I'll have flashes of like leaving a class and being like, "I feel so good, not just yeah. my body but my mind feels really good too, but not always the case and that's always going to happen to some extent but is there any more on like the the breathing the mind-body connection that sort of thing are there any like tips you can give for somebody trying to get better about that part of it
1: so i mean the first tip that i would say which is so annoying is just kind of steady practice Mm -hmm. um because it's it's never it's not automatic and, like you said, it's these little fleeting moments. And, um, and so that's why we call it practice. It's not the yoga games, you know? It's <laughs> like you come to it repeatedly yeah. so that you're practicing the skill set of, oh, this is what I feel in my body. And then when I'm focused on my body and I'm listening to my breathing, I'm suddenly not thinking about the, the you know, BS drama that was going on at work right before I walked in the door here. Mm -hmm. And so what, what yoga does is create these like larger periods of time, these gaps in between the thoughts that give us that fleeting moment of relief, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, um, so steady practice would be the first thing that I would say, like in the yoga sutras, they don't give you a specific time, like, you know once you practice for 20 years you're a yogi they just say you practice for a long time and with earnestness that's literally verbatim what the yoga sutras say it doesn't say like practice your whole life it doesn't say practice until you get to handstand
0: yeah there's no it's, like 10,000 10, hour like yeah
1: there's no yeah. there's you know you practice until there's more space and gaps in the thoughts that are not serving you Mm -hmm. Um, and when I say not serving you, I also want to be careful about that because that's like a, that's like a yoga term that people like, Oh, that doesn't serve me. Listen, there's lots of things that don't serve (laughs) you that are important to look at.
0: Right. (laughs) You
1: know, so, um, you know, racism might not feel like something that serves you. You need to still look at it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I hadn't thought of that. The like, uh. The privilege of that statement of like yeah. this doesn't serve me, so let me yeah. just push that aside and not yeah not I don't have the mental space for that that doesn't serve me
1: right. And how I like to sort of reframe that is um, instead of like that doesn't serve me, <laughs> um, I like to reframe that in is that a thought I actually believe? Okay, you know, so like when the thoughts come in because we have thoughts all the time. Um, and starting to sort of extrapolate the thoughts Mm -hmm. that are the thoughts that we actually believe or don't believe, because I might have a thought that pops in and I talk with my hands and I know you guys won't be able to see me, but like, like I'm motioning that a thought is popping into my head. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I might have a pop, a thought that pops into my head. That's like, oh, you're, uh fatty fatterson today which is a terrible word and it's not even something that i would ever really say but i'll say that shit to myself
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then i go wait do i actually believe that thought like number one i would never say that to another human being
2: right
1: number two why would i ever say that to myself mm-hmm. number three what for my childhood trauma <laughs> <laughs> why even I'm has that say. as a It has that as a repetitive ticker tape in my mind Mm -hmm. and I can pause because of learning my practice and meditation and breathing. And, and it's not all of a sudden you learn to breathe and the thoughts go away. It's just, you create space and buffer between the thoughts and, and there's a pause that's long enough to go. That's not a thought I believe like you, you silly goose you don't really believe that about yourself. That's an old tape. You got to let mm-hmm. that one go, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so that's really, that to me is what uh, the practice does. And, and I guess the tip behind that would just be practice steadily and look for the spaces and then try to lengthen the spaces, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I like what you said about, I mean, I don't like it, but I have, I have had the same, like, self-critical thoughts creep in. And I feel like as I get older, those thoughts don't go away, but the amount of weight that I, well, weight, I don't know if that's the right weight. You know I mean? Yeah. Weight both yeah. ways. The amount of weight I give those feelings certainly has changed. Um, and I feel like I've, I've heard the term, you know, you hear about like body positivity all the time, but I've heard mm-hmm. someone else mention like body neutrality where yeah. you're not always going to feel good about yourself, but right. you don't have these peaks and valleys. Um, right. You can acknowledge like, I'm not crazy about this thing, but that's not right. that's not me as a human. That's this thing of my like physical being, and
1: right, they're I'm not one and the same. I'm a big fan of, um, some things I've been seeing lately online from some, some influencers, uh, who are, you know, body neutral, body positivity, Mm -hmm. body confidence, like Sinead being one of them who early on I followed, who was like talking the talk and walking the walk. Mm -hmm. And, um, that is that like this expectation that our bodies are going to be the exact same size and weight all the time for our entire lives. And that that there's no fluctuation, that there's no season for your body is like a complete fallacy. It's like, yeah. it's really, it's really conditioning in, in women. It's, it's actually like conditioning and supremacy in that there's some superior, um, ideal body that you're supposed to be in mm-hmm. that is just not, it's not reality. You know, like, um, I was having this allergic reaction, I've been having it off and on over the past couple of weeks. And it's been doing a number on my self esteem. And I mean, I'm going to be really vulnerable right now. But it's. It was, I've been super puffy, red face, like tiny little bumps all over my face. My eyes like swollen over shut when I wake up in the morning
2: oh my and God. I have
1: to go on with my life. Like yeah. I need to teach my classes. I feel perfectly fine. And mm-hmm. I almost feel like it has been this tremendous gift in my vanity where it's like, <laughs> are we cursing on this podcast yes you are
0: allowed to i checked the box on uh on <laughs> itunes that says this is explicit content so you are absolutely allowed to use be like, language
1: yeah i want to be like Bitch, get yourself together yeah. like your eyes are puffy that does not mean that you can't teach your class mm-hmm. and how much like that does to my self-esteem is just like upsetting. Like what if, and right. this is, I was, I will, this is the longer story, but I was burned in a fire and I burned my leg and, um, we had an oil fire in my kitchen when I was a kid. Oh my gosh. Follow me on Instagram. You I've like talked about it at different times, but you know, what if that fire had burned my face? Right. What then is the meaning in my life, uh, where, and like and really, what does what does beauty mean? Where does mm-hmm. your worth lie? And I remember being in the hospital with my dad because my dad burned his hand because he picked up the pan and my leg got burned because the oil spilled on my leg. And my dad, I saw, I've seen my dad cry like three times in my life. Once was when our dog died. The second time was when he got a little wasted at a wedding, a couple too many scotches. And he was just, <laughs> he was like a little weepy and he was sobbing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, and then the third time, like he cried his eyes out when we were in the hospital together and he was like, what if it had hit your face? Yeah. It was like your, be- your beautiful face. And it's so, it's, I was going to say so burned in my memory, but it's so burned in my mm-hmm. memory. This idea, like that oil could have gone all over me. And then what kind of what do I need to do to show up in the world if you have a tragic, tragic accident like right. that? And like, I mean, how
0: different would your life be? How different yeah. would your view on things be? It would be totally wildly different.
1: So yeah, again, privilege, supremacy, all mm-hmm. these things where you have to take a look and go, man, like this expectation that we're supposed to all be beautiful, be the same size, always be the same weight and size for your entire life. It's just all bullshit.
0: Yeah. It, <laughs> yeah, it is. And the, amount that I've had to tell myself to like, please give yourself some grace that you gained 15 pounds during this, like, hopefully once in a lifetime set of circumstances that came upon us this year. Um, but yeah, I, I like, I, I don't, I didn't have a scale at home for the longest time. I have one now I weighed myself and I was like, wow, I am pretty close to 20 pounds heavier than I was this time last year. This time last year, I was going on a trip to Hawaii. I had been working out constantly all summer because I'm like I'm gonna look so good in my swimsuit in Hawaii yeah and this year I don't have anything to it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what there's no photos of me in a swimsuit from the summer like there's one but you know it was taken from a good angle at the you know on the river and that was fine highlighted my good (laughs) side so you know that was fine but the it took so long to like I felt like my body changed so fast and I was like everything's soft now where's all my muscles and then eventually I was just like you know what, like fuck it. This is just this is just this is how I am this, this year and that's okay. And maybe I'm like this for the rest of my life. Maybe I'm yeah. not. It yeah. will change and I will survive and move on. Hopefully. This is what I
1: always tell um my like prenatal clients too, because prenatal um, you know, women who are pregnant are going through that whole body image shift and it's mm-hmm. it can be really traumatic for people. I'm like, listen, this is a season of your life, right? This is a period of time that you'll never regret being more compassionate and loving with yourself and your baby while your baby's inside of you. Cause that is a finite period of time. It's not going to stay right. in there forever. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm always trying to remind people because honestly myself, I, I was trying to like keep it together, yeah. um, even though I still gained tons of weight when I was pregnant. But it's we all have seasons. We're all in a season right now of mm-hmm. COVID. Yeah. And they don't call it COVID-19 for nothing. Exactly. So <laughs>
0: yeah. I think I'm right out about the 19, <laughs> 19 <Yeah>. mark. <laughs> same. Same. And I've
1: been practicing yeah. every day and I've been mm-hmm. walking every day and you know, like, you know, I'm on Whole30 right now, but I'm not doing Whole30 because I want to lose weight. I'm doing right. Whole30 because I needed to, I needed to like have a hard stop
2: mm-hmm. because I've
1: been treating this whole COVID time. Like it's basically Christmas break. Like yeah, free for all. it's going to end after two weeks, not going to end after two weeks. Yeah. Like I need to do the things that make me feel happy and mm-hmm. feel good.
0: Um, and yeah, cause those happens aren't that, sustainable, right? Not, like, I mm-hmm. Yeah. I similarly yeah. like my, my stress like manifests itself in two places for me. Like it's a knot I get in my upper back, like on the right mm-hmm. side of my spine, I'll get this knot and then I'll have all this tension in my like traps, in my shoulders and my upper back. And mm-hmm. then after that, it's like my gut, like I will get crazy yeah. stomach issues, bloating, yeah. all this kind of stuff. And just this week I like got some new probiotics and I was like, okay, I've got to stop just like eating whatever shit I want all the time. And I have to get yeah. my diet in check, and I have to start taking probiotics yeah. because my stress is like I can feel it, literally in my gut.
1: Right. Well, and that's the thing with the allergic reaction that I've been dealing with. Like I'm feeling like how much of this is stress and just mm-hmm. overhaul and whatever. And so it was just time to clean things up, and then I can make more um, informed decisions as I move forward. Which right. is always what happens when I do Whole 30 because I've been slowly cutting gluten from my life for years um, I will always test the boundary of that. I yeah. cut dairy. I cut sugar, um, sugar except for wine.
0: <laughs> Look, yeah, um, yeah. I can't imagine. There's only so much. much. So yeah, yeah. At least you could do.
1: So yeah, I mean, I think that it's been so great having you in classes when you did come on. Um, I haven't yeah, seen I've you in a little had, while. I've but had, but had like a but. Right.
0: So yeah, I screwed up my shoulder. It's so funny. Last night, I, I know I had told oh, you right. that I'd been, I'd been dealing with some that's shoulder. Right pain. And, um, I never go to the doctor. (laughs) Like just last night, Jamie was like, Erica, you have to go to the doctor. Like it's been like three months. And then it was so weird. I sat up this morning and I had this really loud pop happen Uh in my shoulder and it hurt so bad. And then I was like, wait, (laughs) I think it's like better. Like, I think it's better now. And it might be a temporary thing, but I don't know if it was slightly dislocated or something, but yeah, it's possible. Yeah. I, this morning I was like- How did oh, you do it again? I, it's from picking up my dog.
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah, I remember.
0: Yeah. And I was like so pissed that I've been weightlifting for years. You know, I yeah. can like lift a ton of weight, put yeah. a ton of weight overhead. And then I was like, and I hurt my shoulder, like picking up my damn dog to like <laughs> take her down some stairs because I have an old dog that doesn't like stairs. And so sometimes I have to like, just pick her up and relocate her at the bottom of the stairs. And I did that and I just felt like a tweak. And then it's pretty much just been persistent since yeah. then. And right. yeah, so I, I took a little pause. We talked about we were, gonna do, um,
1: we were gonna do CARS. So I'll have right. to give you the code for, um, cause there's a CARS video that I, that I have on my on-demand mm-hmm. library. Um, and for those of you who don't know what CARS are, they're called controlled articular rotations. And it's just the way of moving the joints so that your joint is like at its own optimal health, mm-hmm. and um, you know, we have <laughs> speaking of Doug, I know you um, can hear. It.
0: I shut him out of the room and so that you couldn't hear him barking, and then he's I guarantee there's like someone's dropping off the mail right now, and he can <laughs> um, hear it.
1: It's all right, I always feel like those little things add more flavor to podcasts, you know, yeah, um, but so so controlled articular rotations is this like movement of the shoulder like you you move it in the ways that it, all the ways that it's designed to move mm-hmm. like external to internal to a rotation and um they're just so good for body health and um there's something that I've added to yoga as like a pre-game warm-up that's what I call mm-hmm. it as like a pre-game warm-up and um People are like confused by it at first because it doesn't flow. You literally go right shoulder, left shoulder, neck, spine, Mm -hmm. ankle, ankle, toes, toes, knees, knees, all the joints. You go through this system. And so people are like confused by it because it doesn't flow and they're expecting yoga to be like, so Mm -hmm. I really try to separate them out. But then once people get into doing these, it's ridiculous because people are like, oh my God, I feel so good.
0: Yeah. So (laughs) I I have kept up. Some of the things, because I've attended a couple of your classes that have yeah. um, the cars before the flow yeah. and some of the moves, like particularly the hip moves that you do, yeah. where it's like the, what's the, um,
1: the captain Morgan,
0: captain Morgan. Yeah. I can remember out what it the was. Side. Yeah. The captain Morgan out to the side and then behind you and kind of rotating your hip in that way. I have a, I'm sitting at my desk right now, but it's like a standing, sitting movable right. desk. And so right. I've gotten in the habit of doing that and doing my ankles and my toes while I'm standing at my awesome. desk as yeah, just like it's so good. getting in the habit of like keeping it moving. Um, yeah. There's another woman I follow on Instagram who is a physical therapist uh-huh. and she is like all in on cars. That's like her big yeah. thing. So you and her are really the only two people that I, I think I heard about the term originally from you. And then I saw someone also talking about it. I'm like, oh, I know what this is now. And yeah. yeah, her big belief is like that—that that is how you can move until you're 80, 90 years old exactly. is by doing these. Like this is the best thing you can do for your joints.
1: Totally. Because it's how our bodies are designed to mm-hmm. move, but we never move them that way because what society has done to us is put us in chairs. Right. You know, we've stopped squatting. Like in other parts of the world, they squat to eat, oh, yeah. to go to you the bathroom, comfortably to Comfortably
0: squat all the way to the ground that, put, yeah, the that I can't ground. do.
1: <laughs> exactly. And yeah. so like really society. And I'm going to say it again, supremacy (laughs) has given us, you know, thrones to sit on that are wrecking our bodies. Mm -hmm. And we don't move the way that homo sapiens were designed to move. Like we were designed to be farmers and hunter gatherers and, and be working and moving and pivoting and shifting all day long. And what we do now, especially now is sit in a freaking chair and
0: talk Sarah to a screen. screen. Yeah. I get really <laughs> like, yeah, I get really panicked when I think about I just went to the eye doctor recently and I and I I really love my eye doctor and he's very chatty. Like I was there for like almost almost 2 hours because we were just talking about life things. You could tell we had both not had a lot of physical contact. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like all I do is stare at a screen. Like my eyes are going to forget what it feels like to look at something far away. Yeah. And I'll stare at a screen for so long and then I'll like look out my window and I'm like, oh my gosh, like the adjustment period that my eyes have to go through now. I'm like, this is not yeah. this cannot be good. This is yeah, not good for my long term health. I well, and I
1: know people I are using like the it. blue light, mm-hmm. like the blue light glasses and stuff, and it's you know, and some people are like, Oh my god, it's a total scam hoax, like it doesn't do anything. Yeah. But we'll never know if it does anything right. <laughs> until it's years down the line. And yeah. when those people didn't wear the glasses, those people mm-hmm. did. And I look at a screen from far away when I'm teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not like up close looking at a screen like like we would be right now. Yeah. Um, but when I'm coaching people, um, cause I coach online or when I'm doing teacher training and now I'm, I'm leading teacher training online, um, my next teacher training starts uh, in a couple weeks in, on October 17th. And um, so then I'm more on the computer when I'm doing that. Mm-hmm. But like, I think about my son, he's 10. And he does have glasses and we did get the blue light thing. We paid extra for the blue light thing. This is before COVID, but I'm like, thank God we have that because what they're saying this shit is doing to their little brains is so terrifying.
0: I, yeah, I just had that conversation with uh, a friend of mine recently that like, I mean, I don't have children, so I don't know what it's like, but thinking about how, I mean, how I was as a kid and- how social I am now as an adult, how social I was as a kid. Yeah. It like freaks me out to think about developmentally what that might impact people long-term depending on how long yeah. this has to go on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's really, yeah, really crazy to think about.
1: It's really crazy. I took my son to the grocery store for the first time uh, last week cause I took him for a haircut at our, our barber. Um, and then I was like, okay, we're going to stop at Trader Joe's. And he was like, oh, oh I haven't <laughs> been to, it. And I was like, yeah. I mean, he used to go to Trader Joe's with me all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and, um, and so I watched him as we walked through the store and he was literally almost like a little, like jumpy, like shell shocked.
2: Like, mm-hmm.
1: like if somebody came around a corner, it was like, like he would kind of startle and it freaked me out for the first like five, 10 minutes that then we were in there. And I was like, you know what? The first time I went to the grocery store because Brian was going to the grocery store, my husband yeah, primarily in the beginning. And the first time I went to Trader Joe's, I was, I was freaked out too, a little bit. I was like, Oh, I don't know. Like, how do mm-hmm. we get around each other? You know? So it's going to be a whole like unlearning of this distance that's going to happen yeah. for people. And, um, and I do think that there's going to be some really beautiful things that come from it. Like I keep trying to say to my son, um, you know, cause he was worried. My, my son's a little bit, I don't want to say he's an overachiever, but he's a little bit of a perfectionist. Like he mm-hmm. really likes to do a good job. And um, he was saying, you know, what if I'm not as smart as the other kids? Like when all of this finishes. And I was like, honey, everybody's in the same boat, yeah. like, you know? And I said, in, in fact, I was like, think of all of the skills that you're learning by working on a computer that are going to advance your Mm -hmm. potential career in the future. And like as bad as everything is right now, and that we don't really like this, there are going to be some really interesting innovations and things that come out of this time that otherwise wouldn't have. And that's, that's fascinating to me.
0: Mm -hmm. The people that have the privilege to have had their schedule, dramatically changed by this whether it's increase yeah. in free time working from home things like that i mean there's yeah. certainly positives that can that can come out of that and yeah i mean that's like part of the reason why i talked myself into like i have to start this podcast project right now because if i don't do it when i have all this time i've been talking about it for almost a year yeah. never got around to doing it and i was finally like I, I i have no excuse to not do this other than lack of motivation and right. like not wanting to get out of a rut but i'm like if this can help me get out of a rut now is the perfect time to do it. Right. Everybody's sad in their own way. This is a topic that I think people will have a lot to say about and yeah. want to hear people talk about. And so that's, I mean, when I think of the, the hopefully the silver lining for me, that's definitely one of them.
1: I was curious to ask you, like, I'm going to take over the interview now, but um, I was curious to ask you, um, what does unwell mean to you? Like, does that because I was like oh I like that um -hmm. I like the name because it's disruptive it's like um it really gets you thinking immediately
0: okay but um but I
1: was (laughs) yeah I yeah exactly yeah
0: it 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 like popped into my head and I have like a, a voice memo to myself from over a year ago I think a little over a year ago now of me just being like I feel so bad all the time. Like I have these like ups and downs emotionally. I feel like I can't focus. I'm not this like best version of myself that I want to be. And I have like, I mean, obviously moments I've said before, like I'm a major extrovert. I'm not like miserably unhappy all the time. I don't think I'm clinically depressed. I might be, who knows. Um, But it was just this like feeling of like, I'm not as happy as I feel like I should be given the circumstances of my life. Like I have so yeah. many nice things going for me. I'm, you know, I have a good career. I have a good job. I have a um, supportive partner. I have home, you know, all these like nice things. And like, yet I feel so unwell. <laughs> it's like the only word I could. And as I was just talking and I said, I feel so unwell. Why is yeah. that even though I'm physically fine? That sort of thing. So that yeah. that was my reasoning behind it. And then I, yeah, there is actually another podcast called Unwell that's like a fictional story set in a small town, and so I that's almost talk, I almost talked myself out of the name. Yeah, they're, they're a pretty small podcast, totally different topic, and that's why I added <clears throat> with with Erica to the, yeah. the name because I couldn't yeah. get the I couldn't get the word out of my head, and I'm like this has to be the word I use because it's all I can yeah. describe it as.
1: Well, and I think that it's, I'm like, well, um, (laughs) I think that it's interesting because um, as somebody who's in the wellness space and wellness Mm -hmm. gets used and thrown around and whatever, whatever so frequently, I think that unwell is an interesting perspective. It's like, it's not, it's maybe not depressed. It's maybe, you know, not, um, unhealthy necessarily it could just be kind of unwell Mm -hmm. and what i was thinking of uh when you were just saying like the highs and lows and stuff is i can't remember if it was simon simon sinek i wish i could remember who it was i feel like it was simon sinek because i'm like secretly obsessed with him yeah um i like him too but it was this conversation around the difference between joy and happiness Mm And that I feel like we've all been conditioned to sort of seek happiness, but happiness is like fleeting moments, like, like laughter with friends. It's
0: like Um, very, very conditional.
1: Right. It's a Mm -hmm. moment in time that where you're like, you can go, oh my God, I was so happy. But, and it's a, it's a high emotion, right? It's a, it's a, it's a big pop, you know? Yeah. And joy is this like thing that's inside you, you know? Joy is like, um, it's not, it is an emotion that, but it gets equated to happiness, right? But joy is more like this thing you travel with. It's yeah. like an ability to find joy, see joy, and experience joy in a more sustainable way like you can't just always be happy. Like I hate those people. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. I, I
1: freaking I freaking hate those people. Um, you know, sorry people who are You out probably there like com- I,
0: you probably come across a lot of a lot of those types too in your line of work, I would guess.
1: I'm just like there just feels like there's zero depth. Yeah, You know, I'm like, I, my one of my favorite quotes is Dolly Parton in uh, Steel Magnolias. She's like, honey, laughing and crying my two favorite emotions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's what I want. I want yeah. all the highs and all the lows. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, actually, this is so random, but have you seen that show on, um, I think it's on Showtime right now, uh, Ted Lasso?
0: Oh my God, that? it's on Apple TV. Apple TV. I, I am... <laughs> Ups. I we've, we we Jamie and I just finished it, and like Don't the amount be. of the amount of feelings that show made me feel. How much have you watched?
1: Um, I think we've only seen like five episodes. Okay. But I'm binge watching it. We're ba- we're basically am- binge watching it. It's
0: amazing. Like it's we felt so good. We felt so many feelings. Actually, the other day I had my windows open, and I heard my neighbor across the street say what was the name of that show? Ted Lasso. And I like opened my door and was like, are you guys talking about Ted Lasso? (laughs) Because I love it so much that I like heard someone say it and I don't even know these neighbors. And I was like, are you talking about my new favorite show? It is
1: so good. And he would be somebody that you would look at and be like, oh, he's happy all the time. Right. But it's his capacity for joy. Mm -hmm. And like, sure, it's these one-liners, it's these you know, but it's his capacity for joy to like flip the script and look Mm -hmm. for where the opportunity is. That is like the thing that I feel like we're all trying to strive for. Yeah. Doesn't mean that the other feelings aren't there. It just means that like, if all I, this is a quote from Mark Nepo, who's one of my like author people that I adore, um, is if all I have is now, where will I look for joy? You (sighs) know, like, what if this was it? Mm-hmm. What if this was it? Where will I still find joy? You know? Yeah. I have to tell you one really funny thing about Ted Lasso because um, you know, the coach that's his sidekick mm-hmm. buddy with the beard, mm-hmm. um, coach. Yeah. So that is an actor by the name of Brendan Hunt.
2: Okay. And
1: I used to waitress with him at a bar <laughs> in Chicago named oh Dublin's and we were like buddies and pals and i have That's known amazing. him i mean i don't talk to him anymore but he yeah. is he's he was a second city um improv guy oh yeah and um he's hilarious and so we sit down to watch this first episode of ted lasso and i'm like that guy seems so familiar to me and I'm trying to place it. <laughs> and the funniest thing about Brendan and what I love is his voice because he has this like awesome lisp. It's yeah,
2: like, he does. Mm-hmm.
1: And it's so fantastic. And um, he, I actually, I have a really random story. I won't go all the way into it, but I was in Amsterdam with a friend and he was like at a comedy club in Amsterdam. And I just happened to be in Amsterdam. Oh I didn't know he was there. And now he's on the Ted Lasso show. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So. He's, he's one of those, like, I would not have known that actor's name. I've seen him in various things, brief yeah. stints and things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is It is such an incredible show. I can't, I'm so excited for you to finish it. Honestly. Oh I,
1: I, okay. Don't tell me anything. Yeah. I won't.
0: <laughs> I definitely probably about five episodes in tweeted that I felt like my mental health was hanging on by a thread and that thread is Ted Lasso. Like, that's like the thing keeping me from that's like so snapping and it, it really did. It, it brings so much joy. And, and yeah, the main, so and the main character is a, a good example of, of joy, forgiveness, positive, just like all the things that yeah. I so lack sometimes. I thought, I thought it was well, really, really great. I'm
1: sure you have them. You're probably I do just <laughs> not, you're not witnessing yourself in that. And I think right. that that's the other thing. And maybe that's part of like going back to the yoga practice is like, I think that that's part of it is our ability to sort of see ourselves from the outside.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um and um and not be so in our own moment, but like like Jen Pastaloff is a teacher, um a yoga teacher and author who I love and um she tweeted out the other day and then another friend of mine retweeted it who's a yoga teacher and um she said, I'm going to paraphrase it, but I I think I'm pretty close. Um, She said, may I have the courage to be the person who I say I am.
2: Hmm.
1: And I was like, yeah, you know, it's like, and that's not say I am like, like you're boastful about yourself or anything like that. But if, if you're trying to show up in the world and you're communicating that to people, then it's like, may I have the courage to actually show up in the way that that I intend to or that, um, when I look down the scope of my life, um, like, like, I mean, this is going to sound real morbid and you're probably going to want to wrap me up. But, um, since I was even little, like even as a very little child, um, I always had sort of like visions of my funeral. Oh. Um, I had a dream. I think about that was... a lot.
0: I don't think about my funeral very much. So this is, so I had a,
1: I had a nightmare
0: when I was about twelve years old, um,
1: and I and I was dead, and they were putting like a plaque at my school, and I thought it was a premonition, and I was going to die. But the the gift that that dream gave me is always this sort of, um, and I do it on planes whenever I travel and fly. Mm-hmm. I I really go deep into like, what if this was it you know, and am I clean? Like, am I good? Like, does everybody, Mm -hmm. am I, am I solid with everybody? You know, um, are my debts paid? Are, um, you know, which my life is more than, than any money that I would owe and everybody's life is more than any money that you would potentially owe. Um, But like, not just financial debts, but like,
0: Emotional debts, debts of and, emotional yeah.
1: debts and um, have I given people forgiveness? And I feel mm-hmm. like that's a gift to not be like in a morbid place, but to go, if this was it, what is my legacy? Like what, what will my people say about me? You know, Oh my I, God, I'm going to cry. But you know, what will people tell my son about who I was? What will mm-hmm. people, I'm, I'm totally going to cry on your podcast.
0: <laughs> no, I think that, yeah, I, 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 totally get what you're saying. The uh, I'm going to call Hamilton. The uh, legacy. What's a legacy? It's planting seeds in a garden you'll never get to see. Exactly. And yeah, I think about that a lot. Especially, I I reflect on that a lot because I am not someone that plans on having children, Mm -hmm. and I am so often thinking like, if I'm not, you know, I'm not passing down literally my genetics Mm
2: -hmm. and
0: my upbringing and my beliefs, my morals to someone directly that I'm raising. Mm -hmm. What can I do? outside of that to leave some sort of lasting impact and make the world a better place, yeah. impact the next generation. If I'm not literally birthing one or raising one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm still pretty well, I mean, I might be a there, but yeah. And like, that's I'm going to a project. Podcast. Yeah,
1: I'm going to spread some seeds, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I mean, that's, I think, I think that's the thing that keeps us somewhat out of our own way mm-hmm. provided there isn't like, clinical mental health that is you know that needs that needs medication when we get in those lows there's a difference between oh i'm chemically mm-hmm. off and i need some medication and like i'm just in a mood and i'm i'm just in I my own to way find some perspective yeah yeah yeah,
0: yeah. and that's definitely what it is with me is that i i just so often get in my own head and in my own way and self-criticize too much and get in these like spirals of shit that doesn't matter. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I liked when, um, one of the things that we were talking about before the show and I was, you know, asking, talking to you about what we would discuss, you mentioned, um, the concept of embodiment, which is actually not, that's not something that I had heard before. Mm
2: -hmm. And
0: the way you described it as it was so clear to me. So I guess I want you to kind of walk through what it means and means to you specifically as well.
1: So embodiment for me is like, you know, so I'm embodied when I teach and when I'm like in service and when I'm, you know, when I'm giving, when I'm loving, when I'm like Mm -hmm. in, when I'm in action of my day, whatever that is. Right. And when I'm not embodied is when I am in that outside of my body, judging myself way. For instance, I taught this big class yesterday um, at a um, at a winery, and we had like 80 people, and it was my first sort of in real life class. And um, and I was uh, I was having the allergic reaction. I'm I've definitely gained COVID nineteen. I was feeling um, (laughs) I was feeling self conscious being in Mm -hmm. front of a lot of people all of a sudden that I had not that i was like god what do i look like i wonder right now that is not embodied <laughs> that is yeah. how are other people perceiving me you know and the second that i put a mic on and the second that i was in front of all of those people and this is sort of my extroverted um my extra extroverted gift in life too is like i can get when i'm in front of people and performing i feel totally embodied mm-hmm. and I literally, I could be the most out of shape in my life. I could be, um, you know, I could I could be scarred and maimed and all of the things. It wouldn't matter. And it wouldn't matter yeah. because I'm there for them. I'm not there for me, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And that to me is like what embodiment is. Um, yeah. It's just fully being in whatever I have a friend, uh, Catherine Budig who always calls it the meat suit. Like whatever <laughs> meat suit I'm in today, I know it's so
0: gross.
1: <laughs> that um, is gross. I
0: like it, but it's gross. I know it's like
1: it's like uh, okay. Yeah. Um, but but that's so the it's thing. effective. It's like, yeah, it's like <laughs> my my soul is more than this thing that's on the outside. This is just what's carrying me. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm embodied, it's like I'm sharing my soul with you you know, and, um, and when I'm not embodied, I'm sharing some other bullshit story that somebody told me, right. you know, does that make sense?
0: It does. Yeah, it does make sense. And I, the reason I, I thought of this topic with what we were previously discussing is when I was saying I get in these, like sp- these sadness spirals or whatever, yeah. it's never ever when I'm with other people, like it is like yeah. wholly a internal an internal thing that only happens when I have nothing better to do yeah if I am occupied if I am doing things if I'm outside if I'm doing an activity I don't get like this it's only when I have this like this spare time yeah to self-criticize that it becomes such an issue which I think is like why I'm pretty confident it's not a chemical imbalance and it's actually something I could probably fix myself (laughs)
1: Well, and like you said, I mean, we've talked a lot about like introvert extroverts. Like Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a total extrovert um, and my husband's way more of an introvert. Mm -hmm. And so, and I hate to like bucket people like that because it doesn't always exactly align. So, you know, if you're thinking this is some BS that I'm talking about, like go take your Enneagram and um you know I actually haven't, if, i haven't
0: done enneagram i know oh, my yeah, like yeah i know my fun. i know my myers brig personality type but i don't know i don't know my enneagram number so yeah and some
1: people will be embodied in being in like like isolation and solo like they mm-hmm. need to be withdrawn and just fill their cup and not be with anybody um and that might be embodied for them yeah embodied for me it just happens to be in front of like the bigger audience of people, the better. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. It's just a, it's a weirdo thing that I have. Like, you, you know, you, also, somebody...
0: you, you come from like a musical theater background, don't you? You've yeah, done, yeah. I, yeah so this, it's like in your blood. And you, I'm yeah. the
1: youngest, I'm the youngest child. So I always oh, yeah. had to like be- mm-hmm you know, big and bold and, you know, if they called me tonight and were like, you have to come sing the national anthem for the Portland Trailblazers, I would be like, sweet. I would be nervous. (laughs) I would be like, but I I would be like, yeah, put it on national television. Mm -hmm. Like, let's do it. (laughs) And I I used to judge myself really harshly that it was Mm -hmm. like, oh, I wanted attention And, um, and I used to really judge myself for being like shallow for wanting that, but it's, it's not really shallow. I mean, some people might think I'm shallow, but, but for me, it's like, that just fills my bucket. Yeah. It just, it feels like service. It feels like connection. It feels like I'm doing something I was meant to do here on the Mm -hmm. planet with this body and this voice and this soul that I was given this time around.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's no, that's funny. That, that's funny that you mentioned that because I have, and I'm not saying I have an amazing voice. I, I have a horrible singing I'm not talking singing voice. I I am completely tone deaf. I cannot carry a tune, it is quite <laughs> awful. You don't even want me at your karaoke gathering unless you want humor. Um, but on, my, my, I, do,
1: I want you there, you know it.
0: <laughs> um, I can do some salt and pepper. So as long as I'm, um, as long as I'm rapping, I'm good. I just can't sing. Um, but I think like literally my speaking voice, I've always really, it's one of the things I've always really liked about myself. I like the tone of my voice. Mm-hmm. I like how I sound. I've always had a very mature voice. Even since I was like 10 years old, I would answer the phone and they would think I was my mother. Like I yeah. just always sounded like a little adult. Yeah. And I remember being in like junior high, high school and older people always being like, you have such a mature voice. And yep. that was when I was trying to talk myself into doing this podcast. I'm like, "What if?" And there might be someone listening to this thinking, "Like, you don't have a good voice at all." But to I think me, you have a lovely voice. <laughs> but to me, from my perspective, I'm like, I have a nice sound in my voice. Maybe this is like a gift I was given. Yeah. To talk, I mean, I have the gift of gab for yeah. sure. <laughs> for sure, I have that. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's like, like what you were saying, it's, you know, fills, fills your cup in a way and it doesn't have to be self-serving. And if it is self-serving, that's also okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Doing what makes you feel good. And if there are
1: people who don't like your voice, here's the thing. They were gone a long time ago and, and they're not for you. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and we don't have to be for everybody. And, um, you know, the world of social media has made us believe that like, oh, we have to get likes. We have to get followers. We have to, and yeah. I actually could not disagree with that more. Um, I mean, I, I would like to be really clear. Do not get me wrong. I want that 10,000 follower swipe up swipe feature up. so bad that oh, I can yeah. taste it. I'm like licking my phone. Like, <laughs> Just getting Swipe up. Um, all, I want, all I want is to give you those likes. But I don't care about like the blue tick. I don't care right. about like you know, I I don't care about an amassing an amount of followers, what I want is just to connect with the people who are going to connect with me, Mm
2: -hmm. because
1: that will make us all feel like we're in service to each other. You know, um, when I was in college, uh, I and I was doing musical theater, I (laughs) the most embarrassing story. Um, But I I called my mom like literally at three o'clock in the morning because I had this wake up kind of moment where I was like, oh, I don't have to be famous. I can just be like a good person and an inspiration to like a community of people. And yeah. because I grew up in LA, I was around, I, and I went to a school called Crossroads, which was a school for performing arts and sciences, which is like a fancy private school where there were a lot of kids who were either stars themselves. Like I went to school with Sean, Sean
0: Astin. I was just about to ask, did you go to school with celebrities?
1: I went to school with celebrities and celebrities, children. Yeah, And so I always was under this impression that like, in order to be somebody like you had to be famous. Mm -hmm. And because I was a singer and because I was in theater, I thought you had to be like really famous. Like I, like I was in school with Jack Black and Maya Rudolph and, um, oh my gosh, people who are crazy. insanely famous now. And <clears throat> so I, I called my mom at like three o'clock in the morning with this aha moment of like, I don't have to actually be famous. I can just be like, like a, like a good person to mm-hmm. wherever I end up. And she was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> just like I'm glad you had this Mm -hmm. you know realization um but but I did I needed to have that realization of um that we don't have to be for everybody yeah that that we can just try to inspire the people that that connect to us Mm
0: -hmm. yeah like you and I yeah yeah I mean that's (laughs) without social media I, I would not have found you
1: I think that one of my super attractor things with students has been that I'm just like a kind of a real person. Right. Like they, like people see me and they're like, Oh, well she's not stick thin like Mm -hmm. all the yogis. And if she does yoga and she's that strong and she can do that pose maybe I can do that pose too. Yeah. Now my negative mindset would be um, like, Oh, they think I'm fat. (laughs) Yeah um but I'm just not and and but then I'm like no I really do want to be that person that's representative of something other than just what's always being offered Mm -hmm. and portrayed and that yeah you can have a non-typical yoga body and still be a fierce fucking practitioner Mm
0: -hmm. yeah no I'm glad that you said that because that's so I I had like a an Instagram account that I used all through college that's like my personal Instagram. Now my like bacon and braids is my personal and food. It's everything. But I had this yeah. account that I started back when I was in college. And then Bacon and Braids was my food account. And then it's just kind of morphed into everything for me. But I have this old account that's just my last name at Hafavode. And I only pretty much only followed fitness people. Like and I had totally forgotten. And then every once in a while I'll like tab back over to that account to like find a really old photo. Yeah. And then I'll see the feed of just like all these like oiled up bodies (laughs) and all these like you mentioned in, you know, our little pre uh, recording chat. This like people doing, uh, you know, handstands on a cliff and all these like crazy things. And I'm just like, I cannot believe I used to consume all that content. And now the people that I do choose to follow, you know, in the account that I use are like, normal people that are either really strong or really mindful, you know, they, they have some niche about what they talk about that I really relate to. And it's like, not at all due to what they look like at right. all. I just like right. them as people. Even right. if I don't know them in real life, but right.
1: Exactly. Yeah,
0: they're offering well, and, something it, besides and it their,
1: feels like you know. at least would like them as people. Like mm-hmm. I just, I just, um, uh, signed up with a client who last week, who Knows me through social media, and and I was like, and she's doing uh, yoga life coaching with me, like mm-hmm. both yoga coaching and just sort of it's all kind of one thing, really. But um, I was like, oh, I'm so excited to work with you. And whenever I work with somebody like that, I'm always like a, I'm like me. You really want to work with me? <laughs> like I always have that kind of life. yeah. And I know that I have a lot of um, value to add. Um, and that, uh, you know, there's, there's a reason why people want to work with me, but there is always that little in the back of my mind, like really you like Mm -hmm. me. Um, and I just said to her, as we were closing our, our consultation call, I was like, you know, thank you so much for, you know, choosing me. And, and I'm just really excited to work with her and work with you. And she said, well, just thank you so much for being yourself on social media. She's like, because otherwise I would not have been able to find you. And she's like, and I'm so excited and inspired. And you act like exactly like you are on social media. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I was like, okay, well, that's good. Yeah. Um, I mean,
0: there's so many people that don't, right? Like I've even, not that, I mean, I am not an influencer by any means, but even in the like small teeny tiny micro influencer level of people that I know, there will be people that I follow on Instagram and then interact with in real life. And I'm like, Oh, who are you? Like, you're not like this at all. Right. And yeah, you totally do. I mean, you are the same on and off, which is why I like you.
1: (laughs) But that's what being embodied is like that Mm -hmm. to me is embodied is like, okay, another author quote type thing. But there's this teacher, Rolf Gates, who, um, Wrote this book called Meditations from the Mat, and um, and there's this one line, and again, I'm going to paraphrase, but he's talking about the eight limbs of yoga throughout the book, and the um, the line is basically that there is no difference. Like, I am the same when I'm looking into the eyes of my wife, or I am the same when I am mm-hmm. looking into the eyes of my waiter. There's hmm. no difference in like respect that. level of how I treat people. And it's like, I've actually lost that reading. Like I have that book and I can't find where it is, but that line has just always stuck out with me so much. Like that is embodiment, that is integrity. That is mm-hmm. like, I, I. there's not one way that I'm acting in front of the camera and one mm-hmm. way that I'm acting behind the camera.
0: Yeah. And,
1: um, and to me, that's, that's what the world needs more of because that's right. how we find our people.
0: Yeah. I like what you said. I mean, the quote that has, you're the same looking into the eyes of your wife as you are looking into the eyes of the waiter. I don't remember why it was brought up recently, but someone that Jamie and I met was like very, very pleasant to us, but we like got a weird vibe from them. And whenever we left, I told Jamie, it seems like they'd be really nice to you, but they would be mean to the waiter. And that's like Um. the only way I could put yeah, like, but they were nothing but pleasant to us. But like something was off. Yeah, and that's the exact example that I gave. Not, that's not so knowing funny. That, not knowing that, not knowing that quote. But that's like that's yeah. the only way I could verbalize that like weird feeling that just like gave me unrest that I didn't like. Yeah, and I could pick well, up on.
1: And I remember growing up when I was like dating in high school and stuff. I can't remember who said it to me. I feel like it was my mom's friend Sherry, um, who said pay attention to how they treat
2: mm-hmm.
1: like this, the wait staff. And mm-hmm. I was like, huh? And then, I mean, it's been my number one date deal breaker. Like if yeah. you don't tip well, <laughs> and if you don't no. treat people well in just a, like, I I am mortified when I've been out and I've had friends that I've been out with who have been rude to the wait staff. And uh-huh. I just like, I'm just dying on the inside. That's mm-hmm. why I think it should be like a college prerequisite that everybody works in a restaurant Right. because you learn so much.
0: So one thing I really wanted to do is we did this in, um, my work actually hired you to do a zoom yoga class for my coworkers and myself. And one of the things we did in that class that I really liked that I wanted to do on the podcast was yeah. you walked us through a breathing exercise Mm -hmm. that I thought was so cool. I'd never done before. And so I wondered if we could walk through that narrate it in a way that people listening might be able to replicate the breathing while they're listening and then maybe do it on their own. I think it was, I don't know if that's the proper term for it, but I remember we alternated nostrils when we did it. Yeah. So it's alternate nostril
1: breathing. Okay. Yeah. So it's alternate nostril breathing. And the hardest part about this breathing exercise that I always tell people is kind of a joke is the way that you hold your hand Mm -hmm. And so you take your index finger and middle finger together and then you drop that down to your thumb pad. And what you're left with is like the look of like that shaka bra, like Mm -hmm. hey shaka, but you've got Mm -hmm. your ring finger and your thumb. And so um, for listeners, like, don't do this if you're driving, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but save this, like pause this and go do it where you can when you're, you know, not, not driving. Mm -hmm. And then what you do is you take your ring finger and you're going to close off your left nostril. And mm-hmm. you exhale out through your mouth, and then you're going to close your mouth, and you're going to primarily breathe. My my voice is going to sound weird now yeah. because <laughs> I, so, didn't really think, I didn't okay. really think
0: about that part. But yes, that's, no, it I, demonstrates I mean, it demonstrates how you should sound when you do it. So
1: exactly. So you close your mouth, you breathe out, and then you're going to use your thumb to kind of push your cheek out to the side, and you breathe in through the right side.
0: I should be doing this with you. Hold on, I got off, and it's these that's two okay. down. It's and then.
1: Yeah, and then you use your thumb to close the right nostril and you're going to push out and exhale through the left side. This is like ASMR. Yeah, inhale through the... (laughs) Yes, totally. Breathing, (laughs) my heavy breathing into the microphone. (laughs) Same side. (laughs) Okay, in. Now close that side and exhale through the other side. Oh, I'm a little blocked on that side. Now breathe in on the same side. close that side and exhale through the other side. And so really what you're doing is just blocking one nostril. So if the hand Mm -hmm. gesture confuses anybody, just plug one side of your nose, close your mouth and breathe in through that one side and then close the side that was open, breathe out through the other side. Then you breathe in through the same side that you exhaled out of, close that one and breathe out. And essentially what you're doing is like if you were watering your hose in the backyard and you didn't have like the spigot on it, you close your thumb to make more pressure mm-hmm. for, the, for the water to flow more intensely further, right? Yep. And so by closing one side of your nasal passage like that, what it does is create more pressure mm-hmm. through that side. So it acts as a clearing. So you do this, if, like, like I'm stuffed up because of the allergies right now. Yep. So if you have allergies, if you're getting sick and you have one sinus that gets kind of plugged and stopped up, um, but the, some of the real benefits for, for mental health and for wellness are, um, it's a mood stabilizer. Mm-hmm. So breathing rhythmically, in which that creates a natural rhythm, and the slower you can go faster if you need to lift your mood, you can slow down if you need to calm anxiety. And so I taught that one to you guys during that class because it was like height of shut in and I kept, I kept teaching that in, in lots of different classes because, um, you know, if you, if you're high and phonetic and you're anxious and you feel like you can't catch the breath, slowing Mm -hmm. your breath down and focusing and finding that rhythmic breathing will stabilize you if you're depressed and you need to get your ass off the couch, um, feeding <laughs> yourself me. oxygen. Yeah. Feeding yourself oxygen is like a little dopamine hit. Mm-hmm. And so you get that, like, like there's a little bit of a buzz that comes when you're, when you're uh, regulating your breathing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, another really good one. I'll do, we'll do one more is just holding your breath, like breathing out. If, even if it's through your mouth, na- your mouth or your nose. I was trying to put those together. Your (laughs) mose, I think I almost said. Um, But just exhaling out and then taking a deep breath in mouth or nose. Like as high as you can go and then tuck your chin. We call that Jalandhara Bandha and just let the air kind of pool and then slowly exhale at the same rate that you inhaled. And then you would do that and try to get more consistent with inhaling and you could count like breathe in one, two, Mm -hmm. three, four, then hold the breath four, three, two, one, then exhale the breath one, two, three, four. And anything, does that make sense?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does.
1: I hope for for the listeners that makes sense too, but just just breathing in, holding the breath, um, tucking the chin a little bit because it helps pull the breath. And then sometimes you'll even find that you can get a sip more, like a little inhale. Like, oh, I mm-hmm. can even actually take in more than I thought. I thought I was full, but I can take in a little bit more. Yeah. I was watching this thing. Um, I have a friend who does this um, podcast called Optimize You, I think it is. And she was did like a thing talking about um, anxiety. And this one girl said that anxiety feels like, and I was like, whoa, that's exactly what it is that anxiety feels like trying to take a million deep breaths just to try to get one good one.
0: Oh, yeah. You
1: know, that That's feeling accurate. of like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and sometimes what we forget about breathing too, let me just lastly say this, is we forget about the exhale. Like you have to release in order to really fill up. Mm-hmm. Just like cleaning out your closet, you know? Like yeah, you have to really let go. I'm not good at that either, so. I know, <laughs> yeah. got a Marie Kondo that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that alternate nostril breathing is really good. Mm -hmm. If you guys ever want to contact me on that, like I have, uh, little videos that I've done of that one on my Instagram. I have an on-demand library that, you know, there's classes and things that we talked about.
0: Yeah. To wrap up, um, tell people where they can find you as well. since. Since we're talking yeah. about where to so, find your videos and things like that,
1: you can pretty much find me anything that's Margot Yoga. So at Margot Yoga, and it's just M A R G O Y O G A. There's no T in my name. I'm spelled spelled like the American way, M A R G O Y O G A. And that's at Instagram. It's uh, Margoyoga.com. I'm Margot Yoga on Venmo. Not that you need to know that yet. But you <laughs> but might, if might they want to take one me. of your
0: classes. They might yeah, want to, you yeah. You might want to
1: pay me for something yeah. someday. <laughs> So, um, but yeah, pretty much anything that's Margo yoga, um, you can find me and, um, even on YouTube, although there's another kind of goofy Margo yoga that's out there, that does a whole bunch oh. of weird crotch shot things. It's not me. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> so if you see too many crotch shots, you're on the wrong. Margot yeah, yoga.
1: definitely the wrong okay. Margo yoga. I, <laughs> I, I keep it clean over here. <laughs>
0: Um, well, thank you so much for for joining me. Uh, hopefully some of these listeners will be joining in on some of your live classes now that hopefully my shoulder is popped back into place. Yeah. Fingers crossed. I will be in some of those classes again soon too. Um, so yeah, yeah thank, thank you, you so much. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for all the insight. I knew I was going to have a really good conversation with you. And that's why you are one of the first people I wanted to speak with because I knew you'd have so many, so many good things to say and presented that's in such an so nice. engaging way. So I really appreciated it. Um, So yeah, thanks so much for joining me on Unwell with Erica.